Hi there. This is the Woman Inspired Podcast and I'm Karen. Before we hop right into this episode, I want to share with you that you can hop out to my website when you're finished listening to this podcast. It's womaninspired.com. I have social media links there, speaking info, loads of other info that you can check out, including a link to order my newest book, Woman Stand Firm, just came out. Hit the Amazon bestselling list. Praise God. So you can go to womaninspired.com to check that out. Okay, so today's episode is titled Greater Vision. And of course, I have a few pod quotes for you. Ready? The voyage of discovery is not in seeking new landscapes, but in having new eyes. That's by Marcel Proust. And then here's one from Helen Keller. The most pathetic person in the world is the one who has sight, but has no vision. I love that quote. All right. So today I want to ask you, have you ever wondered why two people can witness the same scenario, but have two totally different versions of it? It happens all the time. It's pretty human. I, you know, I've seen many times over the years where you'll see on TV that uh, a crime has been committed and two different people give different accounts of the exact same scenario. They were both there, but two different things. One says the criminal was tall with brown hair. And the other says the criminal who got away was medium height with dark brown hair and a ball cap on. One might give details like the something all the way down to detailing their shoelaces, how the, how the criminal walked, what their accent was and, and which direction he ran. The other might say something about what he saw the criminal doing before he ran out of the store and how he walked with a limp or that his clothes were nice and he had an expensive tennis shoes on. And when police investigate a crime, they ask multiple witnesses so they can get a clear picture of what really happened because they know. They know this quirk about human nature and interaction. They know what God knew, that we all tend to focus on different aspects of life and see things around us differently than other people might. So they know that in order to build a full profile of the criminal and take an accurate crime report, they can't just take the account of the scenario from one person's perspective, or they'll never know what actually happened or find the criminal. So I was thinking about this human oddity recently because my husband and I were talking about someone at church. It's someone we've seen frequently because she sings in the praise band about every third week. But I had just met her in person and heard her testimony and it was really moving. So I was sharing that with my husband and he couldn't figure out who in the world I was talking about. I said, you know, the girl in the praise band that we talk about who has a beautiful voice, but they don't always mic her correctly. So sometimes they drown her out and she has long hair. She wears jeans a lot. He still hadn't a clue who I was talking about. <laughs> so the following Sunday, she was up on the stage uh, to, to sing in the worship band. And I said, see her. She's the one that I was telling you about who gave that testimony. And he said, oh, you said it was the girl with the long hair and who wore jeans. She's the one with the really long hair and, and, and she's short and she wears dresses most of the time. And I just looked at him because frankly, <laughs> she wears dresses rarely. And to me, she has, you know, long hair, not really long hair because really long hair means it goes down past your butt, not just below the shoulders. Okay. So this is what, <laughs> this is what happened in the past though, that, you know, it, it's happened in the past for us. It's ha it, it happens now we see things in their completely different. 
Um, so my husband has hit this testimony that he gave his personal testimony a few months ago at a church gathering, and he was really nervous to do it. I was nervous for him to do it because they, I expected there to be a lot of personal detail in it as should be in a, in a testimony. And it, so I was kind of on pins and needles because we gone through a lot in our marriage. He did a great job. It was honest. It was moving. However, his version of the difficult years in our marriage was not the same as mine. His version was truthful. But if I were going to share details about the difficult times in our marriage, you know, the ones that God pulled us through, whether we wanted him to or not, you know, the times that helped to mold and shape who we are now as a couple, I would have focused on completely different things. <laughs> I was a bit dumbfounded at his perspective and how he saw things. It was extremely eye-opening to me. He even talked about one or two extremely small gestures that I made through the years as if they were the biggest, most important moments in the world to him. And and to him, they were. It, it, that's the thing. To him, they were. And I had no idea. To me, they were just small things, but hearing him give his testimony made me realize even more that we all look at things through a different lens, that we all walk away from an experience, a relationship, or a season in life with different memories and different perspectives. Not that my memories are untruthful or that his are because they, they're the same. And when we discuss them with each other, he remembers and he's like, oh yeah, that's the truth. And I remember, and I say, oh yeah, that's the truth about what he said. But certain things stick out to me and they don't to him. And certain things affected him greatly and they didn't affect me greatly. So when we talk about the truth of those years, it seems like we're talking about two different events, but we're not. So I truly have no idea why God made us this way. I, you know, I often think, ah, well, this fact alone explains how wars get started, how divorce happens, how families fall apart. It surely explains politics, right? We all live in this same big world together, and yet so many of us see it differently than other people do. We have similarities. Some of, of us might see the criminal shoes and, and notice the high-end clothing, while others see the way he swaggers in his walk and the color of his hair or a ball cap. Our vision is different, and I think that some of that reality comes from the fact that we have different backgrounds and experiences in life. That seems logical to me. For example, when we watch a movie and there's a car chase scene in it, I don't look at the cars. I look at the action going on around the cars and the characters' faces and what's happening with them. My husband, on the other hand, he looks at the cars, the makes, the models, the colors, and he focuses on the scenes with the fires and the explosions and the first responders getting there. Why? Because he has... He has a, a history. He's a retired first responder. And that was so much of his life for so many years. And because he loves cars. I couldn't tell you one make or model of a car in any car chase scene during any movie I've ever seen. <laughs> it's not something that I focus on. It's not something I care about. And I think it's this way in life in general as well. We all have different priorities, different feelings and experiences. So that shapes what we see what we latch onto. It affects our vision, not our optical vision necessarily, although it affects that as well, but our vision of reality, our spiritual vision and our mental vision. Now, while I'm talking about our vision and perspective, I am not talking about twisting reality 
you know, or flat out lying or exaggerating or making up facts and, and creating falsehoods for our own twisted or selfish reasons. That's sinful. And there are a lot of people who do that, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about vision personal, introspective, experiential, spiritual vision. Take, for instance, the Gospels in the Bible. The first four books in the Bible are called the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Each one of these books in the Bible talks about the birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But each one comes at it from a slightly different perspective. None of them contradict each other, but each one gives us slightly different details of the same events and each one has other events that they also share about and focus on that they had in their journey in relationship with Jesus from, you know, each disciple's individual personal vision and experiences during that time. Again, God had to know he did. He know, he know, he knew, <laughs> he knew how he made us like the police officers seeking more than one account of a crime. God knew he would need to rely on more than one person to give an accurate account and a greater, fuller picture of who Jesus was and why he was there and of his death and resurrection. And so he prompted Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to share their stories about the life of Jesus Christ, the gospel story. So gospel, that word literally means God's story. It's an old English word that the translators of the King James Bible coined when they were translating the Bible from the Greek and Hebrew. And it comes from two words that were found in the Greek New Testament. Okay, and I'm going to slaughter these words, so please forgive me. Um, euangelion, um, which means good news, and euangelizomal, which means to proclaim the good news. And in Hebrew, the word is basorah, which means the deliverer of good news from God. So in each account of the Gospels, the good news is delivered. So the news that Jesus died for us and gave us eternal life was delivered by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the Gospels for a purpose and for a reason, but not just from one of them, from each of them. So there's much more to it than that, but you can read in the New Testament, each one of those books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, because I don't have time to read them right now in this podcast. Um, so I think sometimes though, we get so caught up in the slight distinctions of our vision versus another's vision that it creates a place for strongholds to come in. I have to remember that when I'm dealing with other people, this is the truth my vision is often different than theirs. What I see and how I see it is different than theirs. So when I go to a meeting that completely frustrates me, where I feel as if nothing truly got completed, no direct plan or path was laid out to accomplish the tasks that I know need to be accomplished, I have to try to understand when a coworker leaves the meeting is completely satisfied with the results of the meeting and feels like we made great strides. Because my idea of great strides is having the project planned out and an outline of it, of the goals that we need to accomplish and having it completed or at least nearly completed. But her idea of great strides would be that everyone finally got on the same page and will come back to the table later in order to actually create that plan. Now this actually happened. So it was, it's, it's the truth. It's the same truth. We both saw what happened, but her perspective was that we made great strides and mine was that we did not. So the details of what happened were truth, but we both witnessed the same things. And yet my vision saw the events differently than hers. So in dealing with work, church, and personal situations over the years, I have to confess that I've allowed how I see things at times to be 
I don't know what you would call the, the rubric or the key or the code, maybe the dictionary and definer of what is right, what is good, what is ex exact. And, and I would get frustrated when other people didn't see it my way. Now, I'm not talking here about seeing the truth of right from wrong or moral from immoral or Christ-like from unchristlike or good from evil. Those are concrete things. Those are unchangeable. They're not malleable. That's just plain and simple. I'm talking about the fact that my vision only allows me to see a small portion of the big picture. And yet I used to swear that what I saw and how I saw it was the picture the only vision there was, and anyone else who didn't see it that way was wrong. And yet, in the past several years, God has shown me that my viewpoint isn't always correct. What? I know. I was shocked too. <laughs> I've always known that I have the ability to be wrong. And I am one of those people who will readily say, oh crud, I was wrong. If I was wrong, that's just how I've always been. And I will be open to learning if I'm wrong. But it's more difficult to do when you're talking about vision and perspective because you can only see what you can see until someone else kindly shows you there is another way to look at it. You know, we aren't born knowing. It, just, it takes time and experience as well as the willingness to learn and observe for us to fully understand that oftentimes what we take as insulting or abrasive or confusing or, or well, just plain old wonky way of seeing things is actually just normal. <laughs> because God made us all with different insights, experiences, paths, and purposes. And we see the world around us and the spiritual world from those very personal perspectives. Our vision is our vision for a reason. And my vision is just as valuable as your vision and vice versa. So this makes me think about the trend that, that came about I don't know, probably 20 some years ago, and I believe it's still functioning in today's world. And that is think tanks. Have you ever heard of these think tanks? A think tank is basically a group of experts in, in pretty much any given area that provide, I, you know, they come together and they provide fresh perspectives and ideas and insights on a particular topic. For example, there are some major think tanks that have been formed in order to address the dilemma of what to do about alternative fuels and climate conservation. And there are spiritual think tanks that have formed to discuss um, ways to have denominational unity in the body of Christ. There are think tanks that are formed to help cities and states tackle some of their biggest issues like poverty and uh, equitable medical care, reducing homeless population and things like that. So these think tanks were put together because the people who decided to put them together and form them, know and understand what God knows, that we all see things just a little bit differently. Those of us who actually live in reality and not in a world of lies still have our own vision and perspective. And yet each one of our views is valuable. Every different view is valuable. Jesus had 12 disciples of varying ages and different walks of life. He knew that in order to reach people with the good news, that it would take all different kinds of people. He knew that this world needed the likes of a Paul and a Matthew and a John and a Steve and a Carol and a Clancy and a Frida to share the good news, each one of us, not just one kind of person with one perspective and one vision or one view. So when you think about the world today, the wars and the rumors of wars and the signs from Revelation that are so much in our face right now, happening live and in full view for everyone to see, 
I think about how much more important it is for us to remember that my vision is slightly different than yours, but that we don't have to see things exactly the same way to work together, to minister together, to find a place of peace, love, and kindness together. If you want to truly bridge the gap in your church or in your community or your personal relationships and in your family, but you don't see eye to eye with others, then the only thing you can do or that I can do that will work is to seek the Lord to help you bridge that gap. The only thing we can do that will help us during the most difficult times is to pray to the Lord that we might see things the way he sees them, each of us, all of us that we have the vision that Christ wants us to have, that we see things through the eyes of Christ rather than our own vision that is sometimes pretty poor and only gets one small slice of the full picture. Isaiah 5.21 has a bit of a warning for us about this. It says, Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and shrewd in their own sight. So, I mean, really, if you think about it, it's saying, if you hold on to some idea that you are the only wise one and the only one who has it right, then woe to you. One thing we really have to remember is not just to be open to seeing things from someone else's perspective, but most importantly, seeing them through the eyes of Christ. Because a lot of times it doesn't come down to who's right or who's wrong. It comes down to whether or not we are seeing the fullness, the real picture, the full vision, the greater vision, the greater vision in that greater vision is where the truth lies. Like the Gospels, we were given different accounts in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John so that we can see a fuller picture, so we can see the greater vision. We want to see that greater vision in order to make decisions, to make better decisions, to act and react or respond in a Christ-like manner. And we can't do that if we have tunnel vision. Psalm 146.8 says, The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are weighed down. The Lord loves the godly. We need to have Christian vision, wisdom, and Christ-like vision that comes from a spiritual nature and not from the flesh. Because when we only work to see things through our own vision, that's when we lose out. That's when we can't truly fulfill our purpose here because we cannot see what we need to see. Our vision is limited at best, but only limited because We all have a very small path that we walk on and our purview is narrow, even though we feel like it's wide because the world around us seems like it's so much more open and accessible than ever due to social media and the way communication is these days. But in reality, it's still a very small vision, a very small view that we each see. We also want to make sure, like it said in that scripture, that we're not blind that we are not blind to how Christ wants us to be, that we're not blind to the fullness of the truth so that we don't reject seeing things through the eyes of Christ. Because through his vision is where we get greater vision. It's where the truth lives. My perspective is not a lie, but let's be clear. There is no your truth or my truth. I've said this before. There is only the truth. And that's where greater vision comes into play. Because I have the truth in me and I see the truth around me. However, by myself, I can't see every little bit of truth that I need to know. I can't see the fullness of the truth. I don't have the greater vision without Jesus Christ and neither do you. It's this way with the the mysteries of the world and of God. It says in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, for now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, 
then I will know fully, even as I am fully known. And it's this way with seeing the fullness of the truth. It's this way with seeing the fullness of the truth right here in front of us as well. We can only know a little bit now, but we can, through Christ, see the fullness of something if we seek it out. So when we communicate with each other and we converse with each other, whether it's at work or in politics or in personal relationships, and we actually listen to each other, then we have a better idea of the fuller truth and a greater understanding of how things affect us or how things affect other people. And if we do that, if we do that, we make better decisions. We make greater progress. We have better relationships and we have more peace in the world and within ourselves. When we just sit in our own muddy pit and think we're righteous and think we're, we've got it all together and that we're the only ones that see the truth, well, then we're wrong and it's a sinful attitude because the only one that sees everything is Jesus Christ. When we diligently pray for the Lord to open the eyes of our heart, to open our mind and for us to see things through his sight and see things the way he wants us to see them, then and only then can we see the full greater vision. It's the only way we can see the full greater vision. When we do that, it also softens our hearts to be able to to understand how someone else is seeing the same thing, but in a different way. And why they're reacting the way they're reacting or responding the way they're responding. And why it should matter to us. One time I was in the grocery store and there was only one checkout open. Ha, surprise, surprise, right? (laughs) There was an elderly lady in front of me and a man behind me who was eh, probably in his 30s. As we were waiting in line, the man behind me just started complaining and complaining about everything. I was frustrated too, no doubt. I was because the line was moving very slowly and they only had one checkout open and they should have had four open because I don't even know how many people were behind him. I didn't count, but the woman in front of us was very calm. She had a small basket full of items. And when she got up to, to take her turn at the cashier, she emptied her basket. And of course it was slow because she moved slowly. She was probably somewhere in her early to mid eighties. And the man behind me was just griping and complaining and griping and complaining about how long this was taking. The woman in front of me obviously could also hear him. She turned and looked at me and smiled and I just smiled at her. And so as the cashier was ringing her items through, the man behind me was complaining and having to about having to go to the store in the first place and about how horrible it was to have to stand in line. He was complaining because they didn't have enough checkouts open. He was complaining because the woman in front of me was so slow. He was also saying all of this loudly enough that everyone around us could hear it. So after the woman in front of me was checked out and they, they moved her bags to a basket, she didn't leave the store. She waited at the end of the checkout. I only had about 10 items, so it didn't take me long to get through. And they rang up my items and I paid for them and they bagged them. And I took my bags. And when I got to the end of the register, I asked her if she needed some help out because she was still standing there and I knew they didn't have a lot of help in the store. And she said, no, that she really appreciated it, but thank you. And so I knew in that moment she was waiting for that man behind me to finish checking out. And I thought, uh-oh, <laughs> oh no. As he was checking out, of course, he was still complaining the whole time to the cashier about how horrible the store was. He was he was rude to her and rude to the person bagging and saying yet again how horrible the place was because they didn't have enough employees in there. Only his words were much more colorful than that, and I won't repeat them. (laughs) So I just kind of moved to the side, but I stayed there in the store because I was a little concerned about his attitude, and I didn't know what he was going to say and do um, with that elderly lady there. So 
I, I knew that this woman was obviously waiting for him to check out. I didn't know what she was going to do or say, but I just felt like I needed to stay in the vicinity. So as he's finishing up and they're bagging up his items, he moves to the end of the register area and she says to him, excuse me. And he looked at her and he didn't say anything. He just looked at her. She said, I understand how frustrated you are over the fact that they don't have enough registers open. And I wish they had more registers open as well. I, I hope that maybe you can take some time to try to pull yourself, uh, put yourself in someone else's shoes. It's, it's not these employees people's fault that the store is not managed well. And I'm 80 years or, years old. I've lived a very long life. And in fact, I've probably done more things than you ever thought about doing in your life. I've traveled the world and I've been so to see so many beautiful and wonderful things. And I've seen and heard people who are nastier than you are. So if you thought you were going to shock me into going faster, it wasn't going to happen. You can't shock me or shame me. I've seen it all. I've also seen times when people didn't have enough money to pay for groceries or have fancy shoes on like you do, and they didn't complain. They were appreciative for every blessing they had, and they shared what they had with others. I pray that one day you make it to my age, and if you do, that you have people who are more tolerant and kind to you than you are to others. And then she said, by the way, I'm praying for you. And then she went on her way. He just stood there. I don't think anyone had ever called him out in public for his mouth and his attitude or apparently for how he saw the world. I mean, was he correct that they needed more people at their registers? Yes, he was. Was he correct that the line was moving slowly? Yes, he was. He was being honest. However, from his viewpoint and his perspective, it was all about him and not about anyone else. The world was all about what was best for him and what was for ha happening to him in the moment and not about other people or the cashiers or the people in the store or the other people in line or the experience that was happening in that moment. I prayed for that woman and for him when I left the store that day. And I prayed that I would always work hard to see things around me, not be stuck in my own stuff so much that I didn't have greater vision. I prayed for the world at large, including myself, to see things through the eyes of Christ instead of through our own small field of vision. And I prayed to be more like that woman who was just unabashedly unafraid to speak up against what was wrong. You know, this, this, that situation reminded me of the scripture in first Samuel 16, seven, where it says the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. If we did that more often, if we not just looked at how slow the checkout was and how few of employees were, but we actually looked inside people and we looked deeper into a situation and looked at things the way the Lord does, it would make all the difference in the world. I don't know what was in that man's heart in the grocery store, but usually the truth of who we are and what our perspective is comes out in our actions and our words. Sometimes it's just a bad day and it's a random thing. But when you have people around you who act the same way all the time or they go on and on and on, it's usually indicative of what's in their heart. Only God knows where that man was and why he saw things the way that he did. But God also put that woman there for a reason. So my prayer for you today is that you will have greater vision. My prayer for you today and for myself is truly for the Lord to help us to see things through his eyes with the measure of justice and discernment and wisdom and common sense that comes from him and with the fullness of his view and his greater vision.
to see things and measure things around us in a Christ-like way with the insight and the, the passion and compassion and kindness and perspective and love that he wants us to have. That's my prayer. I hope it will be yours too. And I thank you so much for liking, following, and sharing this podcast with others and hopping out to my website, womaninspired.com. Have a blessed day.